Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and past over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to The Afterlight. And I'm joined today once again, woohoo, by the beautiful Simone Lee. And she is inviting you and me to step into a world of light language with her soul sessions, but also during our chat here. This is the second conversation that we are having all on the subject of light language. Now, a little bit about Simone. Simone works with light language activations, energy alchemy, coaching, hypnotherapy, meditation. She's also an animal communicator, and her expertise is teaching you how to reinvent, create, and embody the life that you desire. So learning these simple skills in mastering your own emotional clarity to claim back, creating deeper understandings and faster shifts with patterns and habits that are anchored for life-changing results. And Simon is joining me today for part two of what is going to be a fabulous conversation. We're going to be talking about light language. We're going to be talking about the power of breath. And we're also going to be talking about what is 4D, 5D, and well, we probably need to talk about 3D before we move into those as well. So Simon, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Lauren. It's good to be back. Thank you. So I got to tell you a couple of things before we get started. So I, um, after our last session, you know, we, you did a light language activation in that session and it was a heart healing with the Palladians. And when I am doing an interview, I have to kind of be switched on a little bit, especially when people are doing meditations and, and things of that nature, because I have before like gone really deep into it and then tried to do an interview right after. And it's difficult, yes, as you can yes. imagine. <laughs> and I know that, you know, in that session, you did ground me. But I will say that I went back and I revisited it, um, the light language part briefly, and I shared it with a friend and we both got absolutely covered in goosebumps when we were listening to it. It was just like truth, like I've never known. And then, yeah, yeah. And then I played it for another friend. And while I was playing for it and I didn't listen to the full thing, I think I'm maybe like, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to listen to it today. It's part of my plan. I actually started weeping when I was listening to it. Like it made me so emotional. It is. And I guess I was, yeah, I was kind of wondering if you could talk a bit about that. And do you think that, you know, does it mean that I've got a Pleiadian connection, which I've always felt I did? It doesn't mean that I'm just sensitive. Uh, Would some people listen to that and maybe not have those reactions? Is it normal that the reactions would change based on maybe what I'm going through at the time? I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. So the more you hear it, the more you get more open to receiving 
the light language. So it goes deeper and deeper and deeper within you. As I said, when you record it, doesn't matter whether it's filmed, voice recording, that energy process is locked in that recording. So you can play it over and over and over again. What it does is we worked on the heart space here specifically. So the more you listen to it, the more you're accessing the depths of your heart. Light language triggers the soul's connection. So what what we're doing here, I want you just to understand that the heart chakra is the entry point to the soul and to the earth. Beautiful. So that that's what's happening there. And when you're feeling it, like I'm, I, I'm getting goosebumps now as I'm channeling the answer. I feel like I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but what you're accessing is that beautiful oneness within yourself. So it's not necessarily tears of sadness, mm-hmm. but they're tears of heart expression. And the goosebumps that you feel is the vibration that's activated within you, a certain frequency through that light language that's moving and shifting the energy within you so that you're not stuck and and, um, heavy and dense just in the earth being human, if you know what I mean, our human emotions. Everyone will feel it at some level, but there will be those that resist it. Just like when you receive a healing, you can be resistant to that healing. If you're not understanding healings, it's like when someone gives you a piece of advice that hits a certain part of you, but you're resistant to hearing it or acknowledging it, it's the same thing with light language. Mm. The only thing is if you're wary of energy work or healing work, with light language, you definitely feel it and it can trigger a sense of not being in control. For all those control freaks, I'm one of them. I'm one. (laughs) It can throw you because you're feeling all these sensations or emotions or thoughts that you've never experienced like that before. So what I say to people is just listen to it a few times, same thing over and over. You'll become more relaxed, more open to receiving because light language is meant to be received. That's what it is doesn't matter what sense you're receiving it through whether you're seeing images hearing the sound or feeling this the sound it's to be received that one I did was specifically for the heart and it was soft I didn't go hardball on it yeah yeah I think that you know yeah it's funny I just find that with the light language the way that you have just explained it and the way that I experienced it is I yeah, I was able to receive without doing the work. And, you know, before I hit record, we were talking a bit about exploring the shadow side. And, you know, my number one reaction when I hear about the shadow side is, well, that's going to be tough. And I don't want to do it, (laughs) you know? And that's what most people think. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like you're kind of talking about, there's a, or what you, what I kind of felt you, you meant when we were talking before I hit record was that when you, when you get into it, with the intention of clearing it, it seems to me that you can approach, you know, the healing with grace and with compassion and not necessarily with like berating yourself or having to relive things that you don't want to relive. And and I love that about the light language, um, you know, from our conversation last week, but also because I felt like it was such a gentle way of healing 
you know, old wounds, things that are realized or even unrealized. So yeah. Do you have any thoughts kind of, I guess, on, on what I've just said? So most people are pretty scared of shadow work. I can understand that. But if we think of it as inner child healing, journaling, parts work. So parts is actually talking to that, separating that part of yourself that you think is the shadow self and actually having a conversation with it instead of being immersed in it and going back to that time of where it originated. It's pretty scary. That way, if you do it that way, is pretty scary. But that little bit of disassociation allows you to see it as the adult of who you are today instead of that five-year-old, 10-year-old or whenever it happened. Mm. If we think of the shadow self as just a part of us that we've abandoned and isolated that feels so alone and is scared, it keeps rearing its head, some of us say its ugly head, because it wants to be welcomed back home and it wants to feel safe again. That's all the shadow self is. It just feels scared, alone and unsafe. That's so true. I feel goosebumps when you say that, you know. Do you think that the shadow self is very often, is it almost always inner child and the neglecting of the inner child? Majority of it is inner child. So between zero to seven, we've really adopted a lot of belief systems. And then from seven to 14, we repeat experiences or attract experiences to confirm those belief systems. And then they become patterns moving forward. The patterns, Mm -hmm. what we call self-sabotage, those self-sabotage patterns can increase in intensity because what you have is the initial point of origin of when the event happened the first time it ever happened Mm -hmm. and then as you repeat it it compounds so you get a ripple effect of multiple events then it's like layers basically layers and then like it might be 23 30 40 50 that you're repeating that pattern and it's like oh it only happened last year but it's from way before then it's the after effect or an echo effect that you're repeating Right. That's so fascinating. So zero to seven. Um, so nothing to do with womb, do you think? Oh, like the womb happens and then there's generational beliefs that we inherit as well. Right. So just like we can inherit um physical looks, we can inherit addictions now. We know that we inherit beliefs. We inherit trauma. But then it's confer it's really solidified between the womb, yes, because we've got it's what our mother's experiencing mainly. But then from zero to seven, we have our external ears happening. Mm. And we're starting and we're sensitive. To we don't because we're, you know, just new here. We don't necessarily know what well, we wouldn't know about discernment or anything. Do you no. think we would almost take everything on as fact in a yeah. way or truth? Well, that's what a belief is. We think it's a yeah. fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. And we're exposed once we're born. That's a key difference. So at seven, we our consciousness is activated. Like psychology knows that a child around seven starts to know society's right and wrong. The culture, our culture's right and wrong standards. Right. And, and they're different for everybody and different based on the cultures that you're in as well. And it's so complicated. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah. Why do you think we're here, Simone? To experience, um, I think shadow work is a right of, to experience our shadows and have them created is a rite of passage 
for being a human. To work through our shadows is how we grow and develop our consciousness. Right. We need, like it sounds terrible to say, but we need a little bit of pain as an instigator, motivator to yeah. step out of our comfort zone and grow. Yeah, I'm sure anybody listening and I can totally relate to that. Anytime I've had any issues or, um, you know, challenges in my life, I've turned to spirituality to assist me and it's taken me to the next stage, to the next level, to new information. You know, I discovered different people's teachings, different philosophies. When I was in my, when I was a young teenager, I was just so scared of dying you know, I don't know why I was just super afraid of dying. And, uh, you know, and then I discovered talking to heaven by James Van Prague and many lives, many masters and all these things that set me on my path. And, you know, I recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago now when I turned 40 and, um, Happy birthday belated. <laughs> thank you, sister. <laughs> and one of the things that I was talking about in there was, was I was talking a bit about how we have to experience some of these challenging times so that we know what joy and light feels like. And I can't remember who whose teaching I learned that from, whether it was um, Sylvia Brown or something, I'm not sure, but it was basically talking about how if we live in light all the time, how do we know we're living in light until we experience something that shows us something different? Well, that's what the soul's living in, isn't it? Light. Yes, exactly. Yeah, to experience the duality and understand compassion right of connection it's very different we have to learn how to reconnect again we have yeah. to learn how to evolve to step into love and it's self-love first yeah. yeah um i want to ask you about that i just want so i named the afterlight i can't remember if i told you this before but i named the afterlight the afterlight because i feel like after this life that's when we get back into the light <laughs> and I know for myself a big part of my challenge is definitely self-love it's compassion for self I feel like if I had to name my lesson and like for being here that's my lesson mm -hmm. I guess I was wondering for you how do you cultivate grace and love and compassion for for yourself and you know how do you encourage other people to to grow within that journey for themselves, you know, especially as being humans. I don't know if you can relate to that maybe, but it's really tough. I find it it's tough. really tough feeling like you belong here. Yeah. I've talked about it on the show before where it's like, I don't feel I belong here. <laughs> especially in the Western culture, we always focus on what we're going, where we're going, what we can achieve. So it's very future orientated, right? which ungrounds us. It takes us completely out of the present moment, which is a detachment from who we are. And that part of ourselves, we kind of miss. And it's like, if I do this, if I get this, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be connected. Then I'll feel love for myself. Mm -hmm. We can't work future orientated. We've got to really come back to the present moment. And simple things like journaling, like I always say, I have two journals, one for dumping. Well, that's a smart idea. But I have one for dumping so it doesn't get mixed up with the energy of how what you're grateful for or what you'd like to call into your life, manifesting, things like that. So dumping journal is really important so you just get it out. Yeah. Stewing in yourself is a form of self-punishment. It's torment. I do that all the time. Yeah. 
writing that jump, dumping journal, you can even type. I have mine on notes. I have a dumping notes that I just type into. Um, the other one is what I'm grateful for. I write three things nearly every day, what I'm grateful for. Yeah. They're usually about me. Oh. What I like about myself. That makes me want to cry. Oh, my God. I never write that stuff about myself. Like, I, I work on my affirmations and, you know, I do that. But I go through cycles where sometimes I'm not very nice to myself for periods of time. And I do my gratitude journal. And it never occurred to me. Yeah. To write so down I, I things write, about myself. Yeah. I write a title. Like, this morning I wrote... Um, me one I write three things that I'm grateful for title and then a little paragraph about myself of what I'm grateful for about me and it's not necessarily self-indulgent it's more looking at what I appreciate about me yeah it's and not an ego thing I think some people confuse yeah. self-love with with ego or with feeling well, better external than confidence I'm that's talking not internal confidence yeah internal exactly love. And you don't need to share that with anyone, but it's more like um, I'm grateful for always having the belief. One of my beliefs is nothing stays the same, whether it's good, bad, hard, easy, everything moves energetically. Chapters in life move. So when, it, when I'm going through a sticky situation, I might write, I'm grateful for my mindset. And then I write, I know that this time will pass. Yes. What is the silver lining that I can see around me? And that brings it back to a positive learning instead of a negative self-talk. That takes practice, but yes. it's just, you know, people say, uh, is the glass half full, half empty? It's just training your mind and your emotions to support you in life. Yeah. And I think that's something that we don't, teach ourselves or share with each other often yeah no I agree and I think that one of the things we don't do enough of as well and because it takes a special person I guess to be vulnerable I was listening to Rachel Rogers do you are you familiar with her work she's no. an entrepreneur she's really fierce she's amazing she's got a book called we should all be millionaires and anyway she's a very outspoken strong-willed entrepreneur yeah. and I, I was listening to her podcast and, you know, she was just talking a lot about how it's important that we sometimes share struggles and she goes, but we don't have to share struggles when we're in the struggle. We yeah. can share the struggle when we're out of the struggle, how we overcame the struggle and use that as an opportunity to share with other people. And where I'm going that. with this. Yeah. Is that I think that, you know, people don't want to share struggles and I'm guilty of this, I guess, because you don't want people to see you in a light that's not maybe powerful or in a light that's not becoming of yourself. Um, I think as well, we, we have these subconscious things about comparison or we're afraid of, you know, saying the wrong thing, but, you know, really we're all navigating life here. And, you know, when you're talking, and even when you were talking to me before I hit record, I was just in awe of just how wise and beautiful you are. And I was thinking about how, you know, when we meet different people, especially when we meet people that are, that are working on themselves, they have this light, this glow about them, regardless of, you know, the challenges that they've experienced or, or go through. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, Simone must have it all figured out. No, 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 no. I am... Um... I have this thing where I teach my clients. I say, you know, if you're feeling down, you're allowed to feel down. If you want to wallow and immerse yourself in that feeling of 
not being good enough or things are shit right now and I don't know what to do, I, I say do it, but give yourself a time frame. Yes. Whether it's a day, a few days, a week, and then you have to snap yourself out of it because it's not to not acknowledge what you're feeling, but it's not to let that emotion or thought start to rule you. Yeah, because it does. It gets that constant direction. It's a habit. Yeah, it's a total habit. Have you heard of um, toxic positivity before? Have you heard that phrase? Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I remember I heard someone saying down with toxic positivity. And I thought, what the hell is this? So I ended up reading an article about it. And because I'm a positive person and I, you know, I, I have my own challenges, obviously, but I'm very aware of, you know, looking at things with opportunity and, you know, my affirmations and glass half full, like I'm all about that. Um, But when I was reading about toxic positivity, one of the things that the article mentioned is that people are afraid of giving themselves space to feel bad or feel sad or wallow. And I think that it's just a total misconception that you can be a positive light in the world and talk about affirmations and feeling good and listening to a song to get you out of the funk. And it's not as though, at least from my perspective, I'm not saying don't allow yourself an opportunity to, to feel sad or or feel low, that's fine. And I think you have to feel that in order to come out the other side in a way. But like you're saying, when you create that time frame, when you go, you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wallow in this shit for an hour and then I'm going to move on. You know, it creates an opportunity where you're setting these boundaries for yourself where you go, I don't want to be that person. And that's a completely different thing. So I just wanted to mention that because I think sometimes people think, that when you're really positive or you're looking at things, you know, oh, I guess rejection is God's protection. That's one of the lines I like to use, <laughs> you know, that, that, okay, yeah. well, maybe some things just suck. It's like, yeah, some things suck, but are you going to sit there and just sit in a suck forever? Correct. Well, you said something really important there when you said, I'm going to let myself wallow or sit in the funk, but I don't want to be that person. A lot of the time we think a negative thought is that we are being that person. It doesn't mean it's who you are. It just means that it's a natural part of an emotion that needs to be released. Otherwise, if we keep pushing it away, that becomes a shadow self. Right, because it's not realized emotion. Correct. How do you, you know, it's it's funny, I'm kind of referencing this episode, this 40, you know, reflection episode where I was talking about, and I kind of became aware that I think, because I was an empath, I am an empath. I didn't know that I was an empath until about a year and a half or two years ago. I never knew, you know, until I started this show and I went, wait a minute. It was like the light bulb turned on. And I think that for, for my whole life, probably, I think I shut down a lot of feeling too much because it would have been overwhelming for me. It is really overwhelming when you've got that skill, that ability. Right. And I never and knew and you how to exactly. use it. Exactly. So how do you undo all of that? You know, I know the Palladian, you know, maybe the heart healing is a good way of getting started. The I realize is, but yeah, it's also learning some techniques on developing that skill. And it's like zooming out. So when you first realize that you're an empath, it's like, oh my God, I can feel things. This is amazing. And we feel it at say 150%. 
And I say, you don't need to feel it at 150%. You can actually feel it at 50% and still get the same information. You don't have to absorb that other person's energy completely to understand what's going on. Because right. what you're doing there is you're absorbing that energy from them and they learn to dump it onto you. And then what are you doing? Are you cleansing? Are you disconnecting from them so they don't have that permanent cord on you? So every time they get rattled, they're either calling you, messaging you to go, this is happening, this is really terrible, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, my God, my senses are feeling assaulted here, <laughs> right? It's like you yeah. zoom out. And you can still be there. You can still be supportive, connected, and understand emphatically at 50%. Well, I cleanse and cut cords all the time and I do my salt bath and I do my, Beautiful. like, believe me, I am all over that because it is like really important. But what's fascinating to me is sometimes I'll have an interaction with someone and then I'll go home and I'll be second guessing my, my part of it, or I'll be doubting something. And then sometimes I have that voice pop in, which goes, girl, this isn't your stuff. You're just taking on someone else's insecurities or anything. And then yeah. I cut my cords and then it, it normally goes away. It never occurred to me that I could set a boundary. I see, I'm still learning, I guess, about yeah. being empathic that I can set a boundary in terms of what, cause I feel for me, like with my mediumship and my psychic and stuff, I, I turn that on, you know, I turn yeah. the medium, I look for it or whatever, but with the em empath stuff, I never, same. You know, okay. when you're, just think of a light switch and then think of a dimmer. You switch it on and you can dim low. Okay. Really simple. And it's the same energetically and empathically as well, emphatically, sorry, as well. You can tone down or dim that intense energy exchange. That's so awesome. And one thing I learned recently is you can also up if this person was talking about the lever, but you can up a lever for, you know, financial abundance or, you, you know, anything turn, like you that. Can dim it up, make it higher as well for whatever you're wanting. Yeah. And I've made it higher before and it sent me off the loop-de-loop. -loop. So I have to so be very aware of that. Thing with everyone's like, you know, they'll come and see me. They go, I want to clear all this karma and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, you know, Karma is really easy to clear now. We're moving into the age of Aquarius. It's getting really easy and easy to do. So, but I say to them, part of it is a learning curve. And we need this learning curve to consciously understand as well, which allows us to energetically understand. So right. if you, if you, it's like, if you're an actor going on stage before you've really understood some of the basic skills of acting, you're not going to know how to use the energy from the audience. And it's the same thing with clearing and healing. Flicking on that lever, as you said, to turn it up, you still have to know how to hold that energy or it can burn you out. Yeah. Blow a fuse. Yeah. The other thing I, I wanted to just suggest to you, because this is really good, whenever you feel it getting too intense when you're with friends, I actually just rub my hands together like you're dusting them off. And in my head, I say, I disconnect all cords oh. now. You can do it under the table as well. I'll do it as I get into my car after seeing someone. I do it after every client. Um, it's just a quick 
disconnect energetically so that you know you're not holding on to the residue as much oh, and you can keep so going sweet. throughout your day that's brilliant thank you I've learned chop 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 which is a little bit more aggressive I like that I disconnect like I'm washing my hands with this correct and you can like if you're sitting at a coffee shop and they're re it's really intense or there's an outpour of emotion you can still do it underneath the coffee table as well but you're still there supporting you're just not absorbing yeah. And that's a key difference to understand. You can still be a beautiful, supportive friend, but you don't need to absorb their stuff, their stress, their experience. Yeah. I have a question for you on that. So I'm not a parent. I'm not sure if you're a parent. I haven't asked you that before, but no, I need a pet parent. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay. So we are, we're parents or whatever, they yeah. are. <laughs> whatever cool, you know, insert some cool phrase. Um, but I find that, you know, when I work with clients or I talk to people that a lot of parents want to take on the burdens of their children and you know it's important that they don't do that for their own health and also for that soul to live through these experiences do you have any it, thoughts sort of about a, it, that? that's a difficult one because I yeah. completely understand if you're a parent you want to protect your child you want their life to be as easy as possible and the one thing that I, I've realized with most parents is they do not want their child to experience the hardships they had. So they might compensate for what was missing in their childhood and really give to their children in that manner. But, you know, having challenging experiences as a child, for me, sets them up for an adult. If they don't know or learn how to pick up their feet as their children, and I'm talking... Yeah young children all the way through teenagehood, all the way up. If they only learn how to do that in their 20s, 30s, 40s, it is so difficult, so hard because they're not as flexible. They're not as, sorry, they're so, they're not as flexible and they're highly conditioned by them. As they children, don't have those skills or the resources to go, wait a minute, I remember when I dealt with that, I can use the, you know, even a subconscious thought. It's not even thought. a conscious thought. It yeah. goes into their subconscious and go, okay, I, I'll just keep going, keep going. And yeah. I'll always explain to parents and say, you know, I understand you don't want your child to be hurt, but use it as a learning curve, a learning opportunity. No childhood is perfect. No parent is perfect. No child has the perfect life all the way through teach them how to deal with life how to move through life and give them the skills as they're young so that they just develop further and further as they grow and mature it's really it's a hard concept to have because yeah. you want to protect them and I get that yeah it's that it's not even tough love I'm not talking about tough love I'm talking about an awareness of knowing and believing that they will move through this with your support, love and guidance. And that's what it parents are there to do. Yeah. And I think it's also a lot about as you know, you grow and you learn yourself, teach your kids this stuff. You know, the yeah. fact that I learned, you know, five, six years ago or something that the present moment was the most important thing changed the whole game for me. It changed my whole life about understanding how often I was living in the future or past, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. which I still do, but I work really hard at not doing that. 
you know, being here. If I had learned that when I was a kid, it would have been a total game changer for me. So yeah, I think I know. everyone, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm like, well, I, don't, I know, you know, but you know, it's hard because as a parent, I'm going to say as a person, regardless of whether you're a parent or not, you can only guide advice or share to the ability that you've grown consciously. Right. And healed yourself. So it's not a judgment. It's, it's more like that awareness of where you are in your life and how you give advice and how you filter it purely from your own experience or from a neutral perspective of going, ah, I'm getting some insight here about myself as I share this piece of information. Yes. And I love that so much. And I find I get a lot of that when I talk to people like yourself on this show where I get all these, you know, you're holding space and I'm like, oh, I get all these aha moments and hopefully our listener at home does as well. Saman, do you ever find it hard to navigate life here as a human? Yes, all the time, all the time. So my kitty cat passed away last August on the 8th of the 8th, 22. I love the numbers. The numbers are so, so good. I know. So he was like my partner in crime. Like he'd helped me do a lot of energy work and stuff like that. He was nearly 22 weeks of being 20. So for me, that broke my heart. He was like my baby. Yeah. So that really broke my heart. And I kind of lost interest in what I was doing. I lost inspiration. I lost guidance from it. And I gave myself permission to grieve. We all grieve individually very differently. And I hadn't had a death for a while. So for me, it was a different way of grieving and understanding. Like I could still speak to him and connect with him, but I didn't want to for the first couple of months. It was too difficult. He'd come around, I'd feel him and stuff like that. And then I gave myself permission to grieve. And in that grief, because I lost inspiration, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I can't tell you how frustrating it was because I'm still a very driven person. Yeah. And then I had to allow myself the space and the time to go, it's okay that I don't know what I want to do. It's okay that I'm not inspired by the work that I'm doing right now. I can still channel. I can still do everything. I just didn't have that extra passion for me yeah, yeah passion exactly yeah and passion takes time because we get inspiration third eye and then that's got to drop into the heart that becomes passion and then it moves drops into the sacral and that becomes action mm. yeah but if your heart's hurting or your heart's healing or grieving you have to allow it the space to not feel the passion and sometimes it's like going through the motions and that's where we feel lost and we don't have clarity. I still got the direction, but I was like, I'm not feeling it. And I went, that's okay. And as the new year came, I started to go, I'm getting ready. It wasn't like, boom, it's here. I've got my mojo back. It's coming in segments. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, I think Pluto moving into is it Pisces or Aries, the planetary that hasn't been here for a while. Yes, I was re Aquarius, is it? Aquarius, sorry, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I can really feel this shift in my heart. It's getting lighter. It's getting 
there's a lot more joy coming through. Like I listened to a lot of my light language and I could feel it. Mm -hmm. That grieving tapped into a lot of other grieving and shadow work. That's what grieving does. It taps into the shadow side of ourselves. What I hear from you, though, when you're sharing that story is you allowed yourself to be where you were. You weren't trying to be anywhere other than maybe with those emotions and those feelings. It doesn't sound to me like you were berating yourself for not having the passion. You were just aware that it was. I did have some moments of berating myself. Did you? Thank you lie. for that vulnerability. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And I think. Usually I'm not one that goes rah, rah, rah at a friend. I think I had a couple moments where I rang a friend and I said, I just need to vent. Yeah. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they're like, wow. They like, when I do that, they get a little rattled because I don't normally do that. So I pick and choose who I'm going to do that with. Yeah. Um, And I felt better afterwards. And then I was like, I know it's going to pass, but this is really hard shit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and nothing can prepare you for that. No, but I just, I go back to basics then of what I share with clients and what I teach and put myself back on that cycle and, and you know, daily routine. That's where I'll go back to the gratitude. That really helps because when you're feeling funky, you really have to search a little bit for what you're grateful about yourself for. And that's the part, time, this will pass. And I give myself permission and allow myself to be lost for now. It's okay. Mm, I love that loss for now. Yeah. It's only for now until, you know, you get re-inspired, you find your mojo again, but you're different anyway. It's like you've leveled up. As you said, that level lever, yeah, you can yeah. go up. And then it opens the door to new peers, new circle of friends, new adventures. It's a yeah. cycle of life. Yeah. And sometimes we need down cycles. You know, I talk about them, you know, sometimes we need to be in a winter where we're just hibernating and we're grieving and we're taking that time to rejuvenate and get back out there. And exactly. um, yeah, and I love, I love that. I have a question for you because when you were talking about passion and, and things like that, I was thinking about how. I'm a very passionate person and it's intense sometimes for people who know me well, I'm sure, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, but sometimes I get these ideas drop in and they just feel like the truth and, you know, brilliant and stuff like that. And I was just kind of wondering when you get ideas that come in, you know, and you're really passionate about them. I always credit it in my mind to spirit. I know spirits dropping these nuggets. Oh, yes. these 100%, ideas. Yes. yes. But do you ever do like a pendulum or, or get a reading about making some of these decisions or do your own cards or, or check in or anything like I that? Channel oh, it's for myself all the time, all yeah. the time. So I don't need to use a pendulum anymore. Um, on occasion, I'll get a reading and it's more like, I go, okay, let me see. I get a bit excited because a person doesn't know me, if you know what I mean, and they'll usually give me a lot of confirmation of what I've gotten already. But for me, like when they give me inspiration or ideas, I know they're planting seeds. And the next, what usually happens, I learned this over time, is like I'd start actioning it. Do you know um, human design? No, I haven't. I haven't looked into 
Okay. Okay. I'll write it down. Yeah. So I'm a Manny Gen manifesting generator, which means that I'm a, I just, when I get an idea, I'm like a bulldozer with it. I'm like that too. Yes. And it's like people go, can't keep up with me because I move so fast. But what I've learned is through experience, not always fun, is that sometimes my guides or the universe is giving me information or seeds, ideas, but they're not about accent or activating or doing them in the present moment. They're planting a seed for it to germinate and showing me that's a path in a future, in the future. Okay, I got to, okay, I'm feeling like a really crazy emotion right now. I'm like, like, I'm like, can't, can't contain it. Just, <laughs> just got to say that because you know, when you feel it in your chest and it's just yes. like so intense and you just like, you're trying to breathe it out. Um, I feel like that. Okay. So I just want to go on that for a second. So when you were just sharing there, I thought you were going to say that you start to implement it. And then if it's flowing, then, you know, to go with it and it's a go. That's what I, where I thought you were going to go. So I don't know if I just like put that in my own brain or like spirit. No, you just said that. it a different way to me. I actually, I used to do that. That's what I used to do. Right. But now I ask, is that for now? Or are you showing me the future? Okay. And then how do you, okay. And then you just. Discerning. I get an answer, but you can use a pendulum for that ah. to get the answer. You can use tarot for that. So they showed me about my artwork in light language like 10 years ago, but I've only been doing it the last few years. I started drawing maybe six years ago. Yeah. But putting it out there, I've only really been doing that the last few years. Okay. And so, so I have a particular business idea that came to me the other day. Right. And so my initial reaction is maybe similar to the way you use it. So I already can, I can already see the whole route. I I like, yes, I agree. That's what I did. Right. So like, I've already started recording the the lead magnet and like, I can see where we're going, where I'm going with it. And so for me, I feel that real urgency to just get it done would would you recommend that, you know, when that happens to people and they have that urgency about getting it done, is it about pacing? Because I guess sometimes what I'm seeing, and I know that a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs listen to this podcast, you know, sometimes we try new things and they don't, they don't work or we don't see, you know, and I guess it's just like, people don't want to waste their time. So, so I don't think there's anything wrong with trying. The only thing that, um, I've, spiritual entrepreneurs I want to put out there is spiritual burnout if we try so many things we're actually really utilizing energy and you can burn out from pushing 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 and then you drop and you go oh I don't want to do that anymore right it's kind of because you burn out For me, it's about really having that connection with your guides and building that communication to see. And if you use tarot, uh, pendulums, do it that way. But having that alignment, I always say mind, heart and body, you need that alignment to move forward. As I said, mind, inspiration, heart, passion, body, action. Mm. I like that. If you feel you're dragging your feet, it might mean for you that it's not meant to be actioned right now. 
I love that. So that's talking about going with the flow in a really tangible way. So is it getting the idea off the ground easily? Yes. Keep going. No, wait. Yeah. Do I feel passionate? Yeah. You might need the passion to speak to a few select people that you trust and you might attract the person that can action it with you. So you're not carrying all that load. And that's where they're planting the seed so that the inspiration gets the mindset going with different ideas. So I used to be the one that like idea, run with it. And I would have ski boots on, backpack on and push. But you get burnout. And then that idea just evaporates because you can't sustain it. Mm-hmm. So that's where alignment energetically is really, really important and to be aware of what yours is. It's different for everyone. It's that self-awareness, isn't it? And yes. I, I guess it comes down to, you know, if we were trying to think about it in a really tangible way for our listener, especially, you know, um, where you do check in and you go, it, like, do you think you could just say, is this flowing or not? And if it's yeah, not, you can make it really simple. Like that's pretty you simple. You can even say, is it time to act on this now or not? Yeah. So the other thing is, you know, like inspiration is clairvoyance. Action I never thought about, I never thought about inspiration being clairvoyance. Or oh, yeah. To, to get those ideas from the guides universe, we're opening our third eye and, and getting it and we can see it. It's clairvoyance. Right. I guess I hear it a lot and I, do I see it? I mean, I see I'm clairvoyant as well, but I think I hear most of my. You might hear it, but it's still through the third eye. Right. So it's just coming through your dominant sense, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. The gut instinct is the body's way of telling you to act now or not. That's it. It doesn't know right from wrong. Gut instinct is like, yes no if you align your intuition and your gut instinct together so powerful and that becomes a heart mind and body aligned that's so good with your artwork how did you know it wasn't meant to be or did you kind of figure it out did it did it not get off the oh, ground I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I learned the hard way and I'm like why is it coming out how I see it yeah. and then I, went, I had to develop my style I had to evolve with light language all right. So you couldn't actually create the works you were seeing. I feel like that about piano because I used to play music yeah. and then, and I can't play what's in my head. So I just, my piano is sitting there untouched. So it's like, you've just got to develop the ability and, and skill and let it evolve. And your hearing, your ear will sort of evolve and develop for you to automatically know the notes and keys then. Yeah, but that's what had to happen with me. I see my old light language to my current light language very, very different. Yeah. Oh, I love. Well, we all have to start somewhere. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, we all start. I look at some of my old graphics. I'm like, oh my god. And you know, now I look and go, okay. You know, I feel good about that. So, can we talk a little bit about 4D, 5D, 3D? And I do want to know if you can also talk a little bit about the age of Aquarius. I have to say, I don't really understand when people say 
we're moving into the age of Aquarius. Is it because the Aquarian times were so peaceful and people were really connected to spirit and there was a lot of, I don't know, it just seems like there was a lot more advancement. I haven't read Diana Cooper's book on, I think she's got one about the Aquarians or something like that. Can you talk about that? I'll just give you like the age of Piscean was all about you, me, I, individuality. Which is 3D, right? Very 3D, very 3D. It's that thing of separation, of looking out for yourself, getting as much as you can. And that's that future mindset, always I need to move forward, I'll be happy when I get this. So that was happening for a while. We've moved into the age of Aquarius now and it takes a good 20 or 30 years to move into it in in that transition. So we're, I think we're about 20 years or 17 years in now. Was it 2003 or 2006? I can't remember. I think it's, we come into it around 2032. No, that's when we're fully, fully into it in the transit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, up to that, I think 2006 is what I kind of remember, but so it takes around 20 or 30 years from one age to another. And then once we're really moving into the age of Aquarius now, which is all about technology, it's future pace. It's future pace, not mindset, but you'll start seeing, you know how they say the wall is thinner now, the veil is thinner now between us and them. Yeah, us and them. The curtain is being (laughs) lifted. It's because technology is coming here. UFOs are becoming acknowledged a lot more often. The government, the US government has just acknowledged it. And I think Trump let out all the files from 70 years ago around them. So it's like age of Aquarius is about technology. And AI's just come out and it's really popular right now. So we're going to see all of this starting to happen, but it's also spiritual technology as in being able to connect easier age of aquarius is about oneness connection so we're moving into the 4d if you want want to think of it prepping us for the 5d right because 5d based on our conversation last time is about the oneness and 4d is about the we the we and that's what the transition is teaching us to step into we and not so much you, me, or I, I'm going to get this done. It's about a unification and a sense of belonging before we become one. That's actually, and I, and I just remember they just put a memory in my mind because uh, I've just met, uh, I met a, a woman recently and we just really get on really well. And, you know, she's in business and I'm like, come on, we'll do it together, you know? And I've got my other friend and we're like, we're going to do it together, you know? Like, so it's, it's leveling, you know? And I know they talk about that with sisterhoods and things like that, you know? But it's like, we're doing it together. And that, I guess that's part of stepping in subconsciously to the we mindset. Correct. So the I separates us and keeps us in competition. Right. The we moves us into belonging and collaboration, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's 4D. It's like shit happens, but we're not immersing ourselves in that roller coaster of emotions or mindset of negative thinking like we did in 
we do in the 3D. Right, because we don't, we're not so, maybe in a way we don't, we're not so isolated in our own brains that, you know, when, when you're having a great day and I'm having a great day, you know, person in the middle, we kind of offset a bit of their Correct. And we're also evolving in consciousness in we're really beginning to understand and acknowledge that we are not our human body. It's just a vehicle, Mm -hmm. an avatar, whatever you want to call it. Yes, we have to look after it, after it. Like some of us look after our car, some of us don't, some of us look after our home, some of us don't, but it reflects the energy of them. And it's the same with the body we're beginning to understand that our consciousness is extremely powerful. It can change things. Yeah. Vibration, frequency, and it has a ripple effect to everything around us. With the veil lifting, we're able to shift realities very quickly, much, much quicker than we have have ever been before. Mm. We're able to merge realities. And that's when we get the, what's it called? The Mandela effect. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. So, you know, you're, do you know Monopoly, the game Monopoly? I know, One well. Avatars, some of A couple of dramas in that the, game. <laughs> I love it too. Um, has the monocle. Remember the old guy has the monocle? Yes. Some say he doesn't. Different realities. Oh, right. Oh, weird. And wasn't there a whole thing with Nelson Mandela dying? Like some people thought he died and other people Earlier, thought. Yeah. There's a whole lot in everything. And it's just different realities starting to merge. And then you could add in the whole memories, like are memories even real? You know, I, I call memories <laughs> like time travel, aren't they? Going back in time. Yeah. Do you ever go back and change the memory so that it's like. Well, I do that with clients with timeline therapy. It's called trigger and trauma therapy that I teach. So we go back on their timeline and we rewrite the experience mentally, emotionally, and physically because it imprints on the body. And we go to the initial event that it starts at and you start clearing it. And then it has a ripple effect to this current timeline amazing that's really powerful really powerful yeah and I'm sure some people would be like yeah but that's not what really happened yeah but it doesn't effing matter matter. (laughs) it doesn't matter it's if it works and takes away that pain takes away that shadow part of yourself that makes you feel bad it doesn't matter and if you start to believe that by just by rewriting that past story what can I rewrite in the moment that changes my future it has a massive ripple effect. Yeah, that's amazing. I've got to go back to something you were talking about in relation to the 4D, because what came to mind for me was abundance mindset. And when you are thinking in ter- when you are not only consciously, but subconsciously thinking in terms of the we, it sounds to me as though you're not, you're not worried about you know, getting yours or, you know, that there's not enough to go around because there's this sort of collective sharing of maybe ideas and resources and unconditional love and and all this sort of stuff. Abundance mindset really feels as though that's a big part of moving into that mindset. Do you? I I agree. And part of that shadow self would, would, or thought belief would be that there isn't enough to go around. 
Yeah. So, so do you think when you're in the we mindset, you realize that there is enough, or is that, am I confusing two ideas? No, no, no. I, I like that. So sometimes when something happens to someone that I'm following and I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. I want that. <laughs> yeah, I want that. Yeah. So one of the ways I've taught myself to shift that mindset of not feeling good, why don't I have it is they've got that. That is so inspirational. You yeah. can step into that vibration. You can get it from a photograph if you like. Um, or just thought pattern, and it lifts you up to going, I can do that too. Beautiful. And it's just using energy. Instead of stepping into jealousy or envy or competition, you step into the abundant vibration of oneness. We and one belonging, and then oneness comes after that. That's so good. And that person is showing us what's possible. Correct. They've gone through hard times too. They've yeah. gone through challenges. They've had someone inspire them. If it's overwhelming you, someone that you follow, and it's making you feel bad, you've I'm got to look them. at the shadow shadow self. Oh, okay. You've got to look at the shadow self. Yeah, and also only if it's causing them. jealousy or like, ugh. right? You're they're right. talking so much about themselves. They're driving me crazy. You start stepping into a negative mindset. Yeah. And for me, that's just an opportunity to go, where am I not aligned with what I'm wanting? Mm. Instead of using, you can use them as a catalyst to see what what's holding me back, what belief, or what is it that I can work on on myself to shift that thought perspective or belief system. Yeah, because everything is teaching us, isn't it? Yeah. Can you kind of um, talk on the idea of people being mirrors for us? Because I think that's a really difficult, like it's an, it's an easy idea in theory, but it can be difficult for somebody to understand how that that's showing them themselves. So for example, like you're talking about, if someone is, is showing you something and you're feeling jealous, or if someone's annoying you, so if, let's say I'm annoyed at somebody. How is that annoyance reflection of me being annoyed at myself? Well, there's usually mirroring is interesting because most of the time when we're looking or searching for things, we're going externally. We're getting justification by observing externally in our outer world. When someone is annoying us, and you want to do mirror work, you've got to switch your observation internally in you. So mm. that person might be annoying you without a doubt. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that you might not need to address a boundary. But what's happening is where, so how can I give it, what's an example I can give? Let's do boundaries where someone is always asking you to do something and you're compliant and you love them. It's like, yeah, I want to help them. I want to help them. But then they start depending on it and taking it for granted. It's going to be annoying, right? Yeah. You're going to get resentful. If you start feeling a little bit annoyed or resentful, most of the time we'll start talking about it and talking a little bit negatively about that person. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're calling me again. You catch yourself rolling your eyes as they talk to you on the phone. For me, that's like time to 
turn your observation internally and going, where am I annoyed? It might be, why don't they know that they're asking too much of me? When are they going to stop doing this? Still external thoughts coming in. And then for me, I'd flip it around and go, what am I allowing that's making me get annoyed? And for most people or a lot of people, saying no or shifting a boundary is extremely challenging. Mm. Anytime we shift a boundary, it is clunky, it is awkward, it is uncomfortable on us and the other person. And we want the other person to go, no, that's all right. But we've kind of trained them a different way. So, of course, they're going to go, no, nah, what are you doing? So that bit is like I am not respecting myself and I'm not putting me first in self-care. Oh, that's such a good, I like how you did that. That's so great. doesn't mean it's easy to action. No. That you'd have to work that out. But that's what mirror work is. Yeah. And when you see it in yourself, like, and one of the example that I was thinking of as well was I'm in a Facebook group and there's this woman in there and she just like posts all the time about her ailments and her challenges. And, you know, I just look at it and go, wow, this is really attention seeking behavior. And I'm thinking you're bringing down the vibe of this group. And so, you know, and I just find that frustrating that the, 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 the admin in the group isn't like dealing with it you know so that that I'd be look like the next part I was going to say mirror work is where do I do that you might not do that at 100% you might do it at 20% and go where do I do this to others or myself right so that's the next step in so you mean giving unsolicited advice does that count it might be yeah (laughs) we all do it We all do it. But yeah, so it might be like, we're not listening. We're just talking at people, which is kind of sounds like what she's doing um, by posting. So that that's where we take that accountability in ourselves. But we're human. Yeah, and we're human. moving through three, fourth and fifth dimensions. It's not a lot about like, oh, I'm in the fifth dimension. I've landed here. That's it. <laughs> We're still human. We're constantly moving through all the dimensions, even higher. What it is is when we're feeling negative or immersed or overwhelmed in life, it's to zoom back out. So if you can zoom out, you're moving to the fourth dimension, neutrality, a sense of belonging, non-judgment, no need to forgive, because there's no judgment it's just what it is I feel I can get there when I meditate I find that that's really helpful that's what meditation is all about zooming out instead of being immersed and feeling like we're the we are the body our existence is the body yeah that's when judgment comes all in and that's the third dimension well we're out of time again we didn't even talk about breath work. Sorry, y'all. Didn't happen. That's all right. Sorry. But yeah. I think we talked a lot of lot of interesting about a lot of interesting things today. I really enjoyed it. Saman, thank did. you so much for being here. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? Uh, how can people get a hold of you? I'll put a links to all your stuff in the show notes. You know, I know you offer sessions, lots of remote sessions, right? 
Yeah, remote yeah. sessions and soul sessions where there's two sessions a month, they're recorded and we work on a theme each month. This month, April, we're doing shadow work and how Hooray. to support yourself through that. <laughs> but it's important that you remember with shadow work, it's about working through that and then you can move on. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, but there's always levels and there's always, and it's life, you know. It's yeah. not about being in the heaviness. It's about knowing that it's, it can be light doing shadow work and feel safe. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Mm. And um, are you still offering that beautiful special for um, people who wanted to get some of your ceremonial cups and, and grids and things? Yeah, definitely. They've still got that. You've got the link, so that'll continue for them. And um, yeah, you can have some light language at home. Yeah, beautiful. When you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, maybe in the future I'll get you to design me a tattoo or I'll use one of your pieces or something. <laughs> I've designed a few tattoos. Have you? Yeah, because yeah. I'm kind of like looking at that. But anyway, we'll see in future. Well, thank you so much, my sister, for being here. Uh, you're just welcome back anytime on the thank show. You. I just love thank talking you. to you. You're so intelligent. And I just love the way that you articulate yourself. And I feel like there's a lot of value in today's episode. So thank you so much for, for being here and spending so much time with me. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Good to see you, Lauren. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.